Hello. Before we get started with episode nine of the Alone Podcast, we have a review to read from Apple Podcasts. This comes from Steph Dula, and Steph Dula says, The only thing I would change about this show is that I wouldn't have to wait a week for the next one. It's fantastic. I've loved getting to know each of the contestants on a deeper level. So thank you, Steph Dula, for leaving that review. Um, Thank you for having my first quote-unquote critical review be a funny one. Um, I'm right there with you. I wish that I could have more than one of these a week because it's uh, a, a privilege, really, to get to have these conversations and then incredible to be able to share them with all of you. So thanks again, Steph Dula, for that review. And thank you to everyone who is taking time out of your lives to listen to the show and to get to know these wonderful people on a deeper level um, as well, thank you to all of you who have taken the time to leave a review and a comment on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't done so and you're interested, I invite you to take the time to do so. Without any further waiting, let's go ahead and get right in to episode nine of the Alone Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode nine of the Alone Podcast. Tonight's guest is Callie North. Callie was a participant on season three of Alone in Patagonia. Um, you know, for me, I guess I don't need to say too much. I think most people are fairly familiar with Callie and with her experience on the show and, and who she is. Um, so Callie, thank you for coming on and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Sam. It's nice to be here. Yeah, of course. And for about half the episodes, I've started off with kind of an easier question. And so tonight, um, I was watching kind of back through your clips on the show, just making sure that I remembered everything and, and made sure there wasn't anything I wanted to talk about or any, you know, just, just jogging my memory, I guess. And um, we were watching with our six-year-old, and she was watching you build your shelter and was just blown away, like, Dad, did she make that? Yes, she is. You're, you're watching her make it <laughs> right now. And she was all excited about that. And, and she looked and, and was asking me, you know, I wonder how much practice it took her to be able to make that shelter. And I looked at her and said, well, I'm talking to her tonight. Would you like me to ask her that question? So, Callie, the, the first question for you tonight comes from my six-year-old Sarah. And she's wondering how much practice it took to be able to build a shelter like you did in Patagonia. Yeah, it's a great question, Sarah, and um, I think everybody's approach to building their shelter is um, different. For me, I definitely went in with a clear plan. I had help from a couple friends. Um, certainly, some of the credit needs to go to Lucas from season one, Lucas Miller, um, who's a friend of mine, and he gave me um, some of the basic idea for for the shelter. And then Nathan, who was on a later season, season six. Um, lives on the island where I live and is a friend of mine and he helped me do a lot of prep so I had to do a lot of kind of crunching of some skills um and he um supported me in that and so we set up the shelter on my land not fully but got kind of a basic overview so I could go in and have as much clarity about what I wanted to do so I still have the skeleton of my original practice shelter set up on our property. Oh, that's super cool. Um, it's, it's cool to hear how kind of these, the friendships and the camaraderie, um, you know, has kind of started people's journeys on the show and how it's continued after the show. Uh, it's, I don't, it's just neat to hear kind of these little things about how tight the group is and how helpful and supportive everyone is, you know, um, I think for me, I try and use the word participant as much as I possibly can instead of contestant mm-hmm. um, because it, it seems like it's more, you know, everyone is participating in a thing kind of together as opposed to competing against one another. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really supportive group and it's, it's such an incredibly unique experience that um, there certainly um, is a bonding over all sorts of aspects of the show, including, you know, shared trauma, shared joy. And yeah, I participant as well, because for everybody going out there, I mean, it's different for everybody. Some people, it's a contest. Some, some people, it's just an experience. So, yeah. Well, I think, um, to get started on, I guess on our next question is, you know, for me, as I've kind of looked at, at your stuff and just followed who you are and, and what you're doing today, um, you have a very close connection to, to, the earth into the land. So I guess I'm just curious of, of where that started for you and, and you're living, um, it's kind of hard to say like a, a, an alternative lifestyle or a not common one, because really that's, you know, that's where we all came from. 
Um, but when did you decide that the typical deal wasn't, wasn't for you? Yeah, I, you know, I grew up, um, on the Island where I live. Uh, it's, it's called, it's currently called Lopez Island. It's unceded Coast Salish territory off the coast of Washington state. And, um, I moved back when I was 21. Um, but my path to leading me back, which it took me around the world, but I would say before that growing up, you know, we always lived a more and based lifestyle, but not as heavily as I do now. So, you know, we always did ins and and grew some amount of our food. And there was a lot of elements of of living with the land that were integrated, you know, having a wood stove, using plant medicine, um, things now that I look back on as being um, a little bit more of a unique experience. But it wasn't until I returned back from four years of traveling that I moved into the cabin where I live now and have lived for 12 years and really deepened in my connection with it when I the cabin and it was my grandparents land um, they never lived there but it was just a small off-grid cabin that they had on 20 acres that they would come up in the summer to visit my mom and aunt and and our family up there but it was very, I mean, the amenities was nothing, you know, there was no, absolutely no water, no electricity, um, just really bare bones, no garden, no nothing. It was just a tiny cabin plopped in the middle of the forest. Um, and so when I moved up there, that experience was completely brand new for me. I had never, um, I had done lots of camping and time out in the wilderness, but I'd never lived like that. And so it was huge adjustment, uh, certain aspects in particular, like I remember when I first moved up, really struggling with the darkness and how, yeah, that was something that really stood out to me was how living without um, electricity, especially as I went into the winter months, because back then I was just using candles. So that was certainly, um, certainly a, a, an experience that really threw me into the threw me into the lifestyle of land-based living. And over the years, um, I really attribute my relationship with that piece of land in particular as being, um, you know, the, the catalyst and this huge teacher for me in reconnecting and connecting deeper with land-based living. And over the years, um, you know, I've, we've put in gardens and once Randy, my partner, who was also on the show, moved onto the land, thinks the amenity situation went through the roof. So now we have a super dial solar system, you know, gravity feed water from the pond. And for, you know, the better part of a decade, I lived with very, very little, which was the kind of basis of my skill set for going on alone. It wasn't so much of it wasn't the bushcraft stuff at all. Like I said in the beginning, I had to do a lot of crunching of the basic skills and made me with that um, because my skill set was more just being comfortable living by myself in the woods and using my creativity and ingenuity to problem solve. Well, and and ironically, I think the <laughs> the the living alone by oneself in the woods tends to be one of the, the big factors of, of alone. So you had lots of, of perfect preparation for the part that is the hardest to prepare for, um, which is pretty cool and unique for you. You, you mentioned that you, you traveled the world for, it sounds like a, a period of time, a couple of four years, it sounded like, right? Yeah, that was kind of a four year stretch, but I've had a lot. I went to, um, I was really privilege to go to alternative private schools my whole life my mom really she was a single mom but she prioritized our our schooling and um, did everything she could to make that happen for us and so I I went to alternative private schools including my middle and high school was a school that was based around international travel and so the third quarter of every year was taken to go on trips um, when you're younger it was more hiking backpacking trips and then you once you got into high school, it was doing um, trips abroad. So that kind of set the, the tone for my love of travel. And then after high school, I left and did, um, yeah, did four years. And then as an adult, I've been able to take a lot of, um, a lot of trips too. And travel has really shaped my, my experience as a person. 
And so I guess as I'm hearing those, it sounds like even deeper, your your mom, she sounds like an awesome person and sounds like someone who has really tried to provide experiences and expand horizons. And, and so it, it sounds like a lot of, of where you are today comes from her. Can you maybe talk about her a little bit and what her philosophies are and, and what helped her to decide to, to put you in certain types of schools and, and to be as supportive and, and teach you these things. I'm assuming like, does the plant medicine and, and that connection come from her as well? Yeah, my mom is a wonderful person and it really comes from her family. Um, our fam, my grandparents, her parents, um, were, um, just unbelievably remarkable people and really, totally unique for their, their time. They, they both were, um, explorers and adventurers and began traveling and living abroad, um, together with their five children from a super young age. Um, and they lived on every continent. They were mountain climbers. They were hired explorers to go up to the Arctic and things like that. My grandma was a mountain climber and explorer. And my grandma was tiring for him to come back so she just started joining him on on his adventures so we grew up with a very adventurous family and so my certainly um along with our our big and close family helped instill those principles of of adventure and our family motto is really don't wait that's the uh kind of sums it up just the idea of whatever it is you what do you what you, whatever it is you want to do in life, don't, don't wait for the perfect day, the perfect weather, the, for all the cards to, to align, just go out and do it. Um, and so I really took after my grandparents love of, um, adventure and unusual experiences. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And it's, I mean, obviously you, you live a, a wonderful life and I think a lot of people, you know, would, would think it's just a life of, of nothing but adventure. I'm sure it's a life of a lot of really hard work, um, and a lot of, of challenge, but it's great that your parents and, and really for you looking at your grandparents and you followed their example as well, which is something I kind of want to get into when you talk about your grandparents, um, you know, as, as we kind of were looking through some of your stuff, it seems like your history, um, I think Scottish and Irish, um, kind of combined there is something that's really important to you and to your family and has shaped a lot of, of who you are. Can you talk some more about that as well? Yeah. So my, um, we were raised with a very, uh, very huge Scottish influence. Um, my grandpa is, um, his, his surname is Dougal and he was very, very proud of his Scottish heritage and, um, and that played a, a, a pretty significant role in our family. Um, and we, especially my mom, my grandma and I, um, just have such a strong connection to Scotland. My grandparents lived in Scotland for a year, um, and then ended up going back, uh, every year for 15 years for, um, part of the year um, around four months every year. So we went and visited them. And then as an adult, I've gone back and, um, for my mom, my grandma and I, we have all, um, just hold a really deep spiritual connection to the land there. And so, you know, I was raised with that as kind of being the main heritage ancestral piece. But as, as I got older, really started, um, deepening in with my Irish connection. And I lived in Ireland for a year and was able to go back to some of our ancestral, our ancestral lands. My grandmother's grandmother came over from, um, during the potato famine um, from Ireland. And so our direct uh, maternal line comes from, comes from Donegal in Ireland. And, um, and so it's been, it's been, fun getting to to explore other sides of my heritage beyond the the Scottish side though I I do still hold that side very dear kind of an an interesting mix to <laughs> to have and and hopefully the the two sides don't meet each other in the wrong time is that kind of how that goes Yeah I mean it's all you know I mean I think it's all, all 
it's all we're all good it's all now. good i mean i cert- <laughs> <laughs> i certainly i think it's more the english that has the which i i certainly have a quite a bit of too but that's the side that's more controversial <laughs> well i'm i'm right there with you um so is you know in talking that as we were looking through some of your stuff as well you and you know we saw videos of of you and your brother dancing jigs and and you know you're very musical and and you're using obviously some of that that ancestry to to influence your music today but i mean incredibly artistic and and musical singing instruments um so where does that come and what kind of a role does that play in your life i mean certainly on the show you know we saw that instruments and and music were important there um but where did that come from? Are you self-taught or did you learn that in school? That also came from um, my family on my mom's side. Um, my grandparents, they were a part of the the peace movement in the um, the 40s and, and 50s and up through uh, my, my grandma worked for the World Against War Council all the way up, you know, for, for the bulk of her life. Um, but the root of that movement in the um, the forties, fifties was the folk music, um, era, Pete Seeger, the Weavers, um, Lee Hay is that era of, of, um, music that really set the stage for a lot of artists to follow like, um, Bob Dylan, um, Woody Guthrie that then were, you know, inspirations for the, the music, um, movements of the, the sixties, seventies, Crosby, Sills and Nash and so on. But, Um, my grandparents had a very strong, um, relationship to the, the early folk music. And so our family of which I have a very large extended family that all lives in the Seattle area, we gather many times a year and music was a fundamental piece of those gatherings still is. Um, my grandma actually just passed away a couple of weeks ago at 96 and at her, at her passing, at both her and my grandpa's passing, our family gathered and um, singing the old songs. And um, but so that would that was the foundation. And and my mom's a a musician and and studied music. So it's always just been a part of the the deeper fabric of my my life. Yeah, it's uh, the obviously the song, you know, your your Patagonia song that you sang, and then you, it's, I think it was you, your mom, and your brother had had redone. Um, you're you're really good. <laughs> like your your you and your family, you sound really good when you sing, and and your instruments and your playing. Um, did you? I'm assuming did did you do more of that on alone than than hit the camera? And was that something that kind of helped you through your time there, or did it not really? Did it play the exact role that they showed on the show, which wasn't a ton of time? Well, first, thank you. I appreciate that that, that compliment. And um, yeah, I mean, it was it was huge. I think for for a lot of us out there, the singing, um, you know, I mean, the being able to talk out loud. I was just listening to Mike Mike Lowe's interview, and he was um, sharing his experience of of being able to talk out loud with his God and and how just helpful that was. And I mean, I felt the same with being able to talk out loud, even just to myself. Um, but the singing was so crucial. And yeah, I wrote just countless songs and, and also just, you know, sang really familiar songs that just helped keep the spirits up. And then once I made my instrument, I was able to play that and write a lot of music on that. And yeah, they showed just I mean, they're only able to show so little, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, that was definitely a, a huge piece. So are we going to have a, a made in Patagonia album coming out at some point with all your, your songs you wrote down there? <laughs> oh, I don't know, <laughs> but maybe someday <laughs> you, you should add it to the list. <laughs> yeah. Right. When you, one of these days when you have time and all of your spare time, you can go ahead and, and get that album recorded. It would be a very yeah, a very niche album for Alone fans. <laughs> what kind of stuff were you were you singing and writing about? <laughs> oh, I mean, just I mean everything from goofy to to serious and and you know cheesy and um, I remember on. Uh, I think it was um, on the latest season on season eight, Biko was talking about how he had, I think it was, he had talked about with his partner about how they 
they would look at the moon and know they were looking at the same moon. And I had this very cheesy song that I would sing. Um, and see if I can bring it back. But it was it was just about that same thing. I would think about like, I was like, it's the same moon. It's the same moon. Um, it's the same moon, but different stars. I'm thinking of you wherever you are. And um, so just, you know, whatever little ditties, but. But I, did, I totally forgot about that song till Biko had, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Biko, had brought up brought up his experience of, of talking about looking at the same moon. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was Biko. And it's funny, I was, I was going to lead off with, the, with a question of if you and Biko were going to go on tour together at any point in time. But then obviously Sarah came up with a much, <laughs> much better introductory question. Um, <laughs> maybe you can... Can... Well, we don't. I'm not really connected with Biko. I mean, we've messaged a little bit on Instagram, but both Randy and I, um, we just loved Biko. We we only get like I I have yet to kind of fully watch um, any season in its entirety. I feel like we end up watching like the first four episodes and then we watch the finale um, <laughs> for whatever reason. But um, but Randy and I were both just um, obsessed with Vico. So <laughs> Randy wants to do uh, his own spinoff show with Vico. And um, uh, I don't even know. <laughs> but yes, because we're, we're Vico fans. There you go. Well, um, and, there you go, Vico. They are fans and get in touch with Randy, apparently. <laughs> um, everyone, you, you heard it here first. So we've we've thrown we've thrown that name out there a few times. Um, so I guess it's probably time to to mention Randy and kind of go into that if we can. So Randy was on man I I haven't done my homework. Was it one one and four? He was on season and two five? and five. Two and five. Okay. So yeah. Randy was from seasons two and five, um, and. Yeah, Randy and, and Callie, you guys have a, a child together now. And do you want to talk about about how that happened? I mean, not the child, obviously, but yeah. you and Randy. <laughs> so yeah, Randy. I mean, it's just you know the alone experience um, has you know, and I've said it so many times, but it was truly the greatest gift of my life. And it, I mean, it just it set my life on the course it's on now, which. I mean, I'm still living in the same place and kind of doing the same thing on a more um, rudimentary level. But everything else that's come into my life since then has just been so incredible and including um, Randy and our baby. And so Randy, um, we, we, so season two aired, we only, there was maybe one or two episodes we saw of season two um, before we went out to Patagonia I think we even watched as a group down in Patagonia we watched like maybe the third episode of, or something before we went out and so I didn't you know Randy was kind of in my um yeah I just you know he we didn't connect until after after my season aired and um and then we were just you know sent a few messages back and forth on Instagram but it was after season five aired that um, I was watching season five um, with my mom and um, a very close friend of mine who supported me um, in my shop through my alone experience. And we were watching and then Randy came on the screen and, and he was like, um, you know, he was like in his underwear building his log cabin i was not and, expecting this to go this um, direction <laughs> <laughs> and uh and my friend turns to me and was like wow that guy's a hunk and i was like that guy is a hunk and um and so <laughs> then i i i wrote him i think that night and i literally just wrote him and said you are a hunk yeah. and and then I, and then I said something I dead serious something like if you ever want to move up to the woods and make survival babies, um, you know, let me know. Yeah, we were just just and, not uh, messing around. 
Yes, I, I, I always say like the, the poet Rumi says, you must ask for what you really want. So, and at that point I was, I was in a, a place of really ready to draw in a partner. And, um, and so, and he wrote back and was like, ha ha, you know, um, making me blush. And, and then basically it was just, it was, it was all, it was all history from there. But, um, but what's pretty cool about the whole thing is I, when I was out on a loan, I really, um, I was really in a clear space about wanting, I mean, I've always known I've wanted to have a family and, um, a part of my time on a loan was really about, um, you know, getting into a space of, of, of being able to do a lot of personal work, seeing the kind of work that I wanted to to do to um, be able to be in a really clear space to draw in the partner that I wanted to draw in and looking at past relationship patterns and, you know, some of my deeper wounding, things like that, that I just wanted to, to, that I had been on a path of, of working on, but wanting to, to get clear on and, and really do some clearing. And, um, and then out there, I, you know, I was in kind of a constant, state of ceremony. Um, but I did some different personal ceremonies. And one of the ceremonies I did was really calling upon my future children to, um, to help draw in the person that they wanted me to have kids with. So, um, calling on their spirits to help me, to help me draw in. And when I was out there, I had a, uh, I mean, the dreams that you have out there are really, um, wild often they're like food dreams but sometimes there'd be something more profound and I had this dream um, where I was standing at on like the bank of the river where I um, at, at my spot and um, and our yellow brick which was like our GPS tracker that they give us that they check in um, with uh, like pre-programmed messages and every morning and evening that's how they kind of track that you're still alive they send you a a message and you have to respond with a pre-programmed message like okay and it makes this just like really terrible beeping noise yes just gets embedded in your psyche and so (laughs) when you said that i was like oh my goodness i remember that from some of the episodes there's like this heinous terrible noise anyways continue yeah and so it's like and when you first are out there it's like i would be hallucinating that I'd be hearing the beeping. Um, but so in this dream, I'm standing by the river and my GPS tracker goes off and it's making the beeping noise. And I, and I read on the screen and I'm knowing it's coming from some, like, you know, my future partner. And it says someday when the time is right, we will have a beautiful daughter. And, um, I mean, <laughs> it makes me, uh, makes me choke up. Um, uh, because now, you know, it was, it was two years after I came back from alone that, um, Randy and I, um, that Randy and I got together and then it would, it was three years after that, that we had our, our daughter river. Um, and she was born, uh, this summer at our home and, um, she's just incredible and, and just such a, um, you know, such a blessing for both of us. And, and yeah, and so it's a really great origin story for for us and for her, and get to share in that that whole alone experience. And yeah, that yeah, no, so. that's super neat. And and don't don't mind don't mind about choking up because I'm over here. Um, like, <laughs> oh do, yeah, do no. the same. You know, I I mentioned in one of the conversations like you know I I wear my emotions on my sleeve and. And it's funny, I guess, for those out there that are, you know, thinking about that experience. So for me, um, Michelle and I, you know, I, I, we had kind of a similar experience and uh, not to get too personal in my life because we're all here for, for Callie and everyone else. But just to kind of, I guess, to, to share for those out there that, you know, that experience, I, I think that's fantastic because for me, um, you know, I had gone on a, a two year spiritual journey and, and was, you know, doing spiritual service basically for two years and my time was starting to wrap up and I knew I was going to be coming home and I was so involved in what I was doing that I wasn't even thinking about what was happening in the future right or you know future family or anything else and I was just 
you know, hanging out in my, my house or my place one day and just had this very like super clear, you know, the person you will end up with is, you know, meets X, Y, and Z character traits. And like, this is basically who they are. I was like, wow, that's <laughs> wasn't looking for that, mm. but okay. Um, you know, and of course that kind of puts one to ponder of like, okay, so I, you know, it was basically, I knew who the person was. It was like, I, you know, this person already, you've already met, they're already in your life. And then, you know, all these different things of, of like basically exactly who this person was. And I, for the life of me, couldn't figure it out. I was like, man, what is going on here? And then, you know, I don't even know, nine months later, Michelle and I reconnected and, uh, it was very quickly like, oh my goodness, you know? And so I, I, I hear your story and I, I feel your story because, mm. you know, we, it was kind of similar in a way of just that, that knowing of, you know, I don't know, it's, a, it, it's, you can't describe the experience, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And all the steps in our lives that lead, that lead us up to that, that point, all the, I mean, it's like you could trace back to the beginning, but I think about all the, I mean, for me, um, you know, the whole experience of signing up for a loan, it was just, everything was so, um, you know, for lack of a better word, cosmically timed and, um, in such alignment with all these little, um, little pieces that, that, uh, got us there. And, you know, and I don't know if it was for any one specific outcome, if it was to bring our, our children into the world or just to, you know, but it's, um, it's amazing how, how, you know, you can look back and trace the the steps that got us to this point. Yeah. It's, and it, yeah, for us, we have kind of a, a couple of those as well. I mean, with, with different school things and, and, you know, parents of friends force, you know, it's just a, <laughs> it's a, it's a long, funny story, but it is kind of weird when you, when you stop and, and look at your life and you have, you know, you have some seminal experience in your life. And then when you start tracking back, all of the decisions that not even decisions, all of the things that had to happen in your life to make that one moment happen. And then to think that there's other players involved on the other side. <laughs> um, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty mind blowing when you stop and, and do that exercise. Um, you know, there's, there's, yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know. It, <laughs> I can't even describe it, but um, anyways, I wanted to, to talk about how obviously your life has changed, um, dramatically since you've been home from alone from Patagonia. Um, but can you talk a little bit about how that experience changed your life? Obviously you, you've, we've just talked about how you were there and, and you did a lot of, of finding of yourself and, and those types of things. But can you talk about how your maybe experience with the land and, and your viewpoints on life have have changed and been altered by your time being alone and, and being that dependent on, on the earth for your existence? Yeah, it was a really, I mean, that experience of, um, of, you know, not only, uh, just relying on yourself, um, and the land for all your needs. I mean, it's really, it's a, it's a cooperative experience. Um, it's not just, you know, you have to really put all your, your faith in the land and, um, and, and hope that you will receive the, the nourishment and the protection and the, everything that you need. Um, and that was a really, um, you know, that was something that, that came intuitively for me because of, of my experience of living, of living close to the land in my cabin, but it was a whole other experience to do it, um, with just, you know, minimal tools and, um, you know, in a, in a new environment and, and not having any, um, you know, backup beyond, beyond, uh, having to leave the experience. So, you know, there was a number of kind of tests that I went through out there that, um, with the land, um, you know, including like dealing with my spider bites and having to rely on plant medicine. And, um, but ultimately it just affirmed for me what I, you know, know in my heart of hearts, which is, you know, we are a part of the earth and, um, and the land and, and nature and, and not separate from it. And when we find ourselves in a space of working, of working with the land and not against it, um, 
a lot of, you know, wonderful things come from it. And I felt very cared for, very safe, very protected. Um, I, I felt like I received, um, you know, gifts in the form of food and medicine and, and awarenesses and, and so, you know, there was a lot of challenges that came from the experience, but um, ultimately it's, you know, it was just such a gift. And, um, you know, I think one of the biggest, the biggest takeaways for me through that experience, um, you know, I had to shed a lot. It was a lot of ego death and, and I had to let go of a lot of attachment in particular to winning. I went in with just such a huge pressure um, self-imposed pressure to, to win. And, um, I, it was hindering my ability to have the experience that I felt like I ultimately went out there to have, even if I wasn't as conscious of it. Um, and so the moment I was able to let go of that, um, that attachment, um, I was able to really kind of shift, shift the way that I showed up, um, spiritually and, um, emotionally and so one of my biggest takeaways from that whole experience was was the the gift of of letting go of attachment to outcomes and expectations and I have carried that with me so so through so many things um beyond beyond that uh that time um another huge gift that came I mean just on the heels of my grandma passing here I uh, one of the biggest awarenesses that I got out of that was everything becomes so clear focused. And I had so much sadness and regret around how many times I had not been present with the people I love, even when I was in their presence, how I was distracted or I chose to, um, you know, like I, I had this, uh, uh, memory of being on the beach with my grandma in um on Kauai and she she was sitting on the beach and by herself and I was sitting up on a table and I was just really preoccupied with some you know unimportant thought that I wanted to write in my journal and instead of going and sitting with her on the beach I decided to sit and write in my journal and out there on alone I mean it was you know something that might not have had that much impact, um, you know, when, when you have all these other distractions to think about, but out there it was so crystal clear. I just remember weeping, I mean, sobbing that I didn't go down and sit with her. And so I made this commitment when I came back to, um, change the way that I was present with the people who's, you know, the people I love most and the people whose time felt limited to me. So, at the, you know, my niece and nephew, my brother's kids who I'm really close with, who were young, young kids, they're kind of preteens now, but, um, and then my grandma. And so for the last five years, I just, I made a commitment to just be as present with, with them and um, my grandma and was able to, to just, you know, kind of become um, somewhat of a, a, a caretaker for her and, um, and, and then when I was with her, just be super present. And I know I keep using that word, but that's, <laughs> that's the only way to really describe it. And, and because of that, you know, she just, we were just with her at her passing river and I were by her side. And, um, and I knew that after she went, I wouldn't carry, you know, it's, it, it's still from a somewhat of a selfish place, but I felt like I could, I could, I could carry um, on knowing that I had, I had been as present with her as I could possibly be. And it was of course a, a gift to her too, to, to be able to have us around, um, in those, those final years. So, yeah, that's a, sorry, that was a long tangent. No, but. no, 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 that's not a tangent at all. Um, you know, I, I, I'll, I said it to Larry and I'll say it to you. Um, you know, you, I, I asked you guys to come on to, to hear those tangents, right? I, I think that's what, what people are so interested in, but what a huge blessing, um, to come from that experience of really a painful experience, right? I, I think for it's a, it's an acquired taste <laughs> to enjoy um, or to appreciate, I guess I should say is probably the better word, but it's a, it's a developed thing to be able to appreciate that introspection or those times when 
when our maybe shortcomings or, or not even a shortcoming, um, but where something is shown to us that we could do differently. So how a blessing for you to, to experience that. And then, you know, now when you look back on the last five years with your grandmother, um, you know, obviously it's still sad, but it, it seems like you were able to get what you needed with her in that time because of that pain that you experienced as you got to see those aspects. Um, I, I don't know if I'm describing totally. that well yeah. for people. Yeah. Yeah. But was, yeah. That's, I don't know that that's really, I'm going to say neat. That That's neat that, that something so good for you was able to come from that pain that you felt. Totally. And I think that that's one of the, and, and good for all of us. It was, you know, it was a, a gift for my grandmother and, and my mom and, and all of us to be so close in this time. And, um, and, and I, you know, it is, I think that's one of the parts of the experience of alone that is very difficult to convey through the television. And, um, and you see that come up in the form of, um, you know, a lot of online judgment, things like that, when they, you know, seeing people having these, these emotional experiences that seem, um, often those experiences come with the longevity of being out there, or even, you know, it can show up right away. I mean, like with Mike's interview, talking about how his heart pains of missing his, his wife, um, you know, that showed up, you know, kind of unexpectedly right away when he was out there. And, and you just don't know what's going to come up for you. And, um, you know, for some people, um, it, it is, it's profoundly life-changing. And I think for all of us, um, the awarenesses that we have out there are, are very life-changing. And if we can integrate those experiences, they can have lasting impacts. Um, sometimes they're too much, you know, and, and, and they get shut down or, or they don't want to be looked at, but if they can be integrated back into our lives, um, they can, you know, they can change the future for, for us and, and those we love. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's hard to, it's hard to see that right in the, when you're in the middle of it, when you're in the thick of it, but, um, it, it's neat how at some point those experiences come back and, and how they're beneficial and how we can see, okay, you know, I, I, I can do this. Um, you, you mentioned mean people online. We won't spend too much time there, but it's funny. Actually, won't spend any time there, really. But it, it's funny for me as I've gotten to to talk to so many of you now, um, and you know, I'm I'm kind of a funny person. For me, I, I have one conversation with someone. I'm like, oh yeah, that's my friend, you know. And so I I just I walk around and, and I view like everyone in the world as my friends. And so I you know for me I feel like hey I've got you know a handful of friends that were on the Alone Show. That's pretty cool. Um, but I find myself when I see even still I don't understand why. <laughs> why people are still like so critical online. Um, but I find myself having like an emotional response of like, Hey, <laughs> that's, that's my friend you're talking about there. They're, they're awesome. Like you should get to know them and, and you'll realize that you're way off base. So I, I can't imagine um, what that's like being on your end for, where for me, I'm just, you know, I talk to you guys for an hour and then I'm like already bristling and defensive <laughs> what I see people. Oh, I know. Being and rude. it's, it's, some people do a lot better with it. You know, some people are a lot more water off the back about it. Certainly people who had experiences before going on the show, like say people who were on YouTube or things like that, that had experiences with, with trolls. Um, but you know, I found it and still find it, um, difficult in particular, just like you're saying, I mean, I struggled with it with myself, um, when it first came out, um, especially because, our season aired just a few months after we got back. So it was so raw and, and still in such a, a space of processing my own journey that when it came out and having to deal with um, people's, people's responses, good and bad, it was just so overwhelming. But now I feel, yeah, the defensiveness of, of other contestants come out. And I know Megan talked about that a little bit and we've, we've gotten, you know, there's like, we both try to do our best to avoid it, but, um, sometimes we find ourselves, um, find ourselves coming to the defense because, you know, and we all know it's like, it's not, it's not, per it's, of course it's not personal. Um, yeah, it can't be, you know, how could it be? People, yeah. It can't be. Uh, and people just, you know, people troll every, 
anything that they can. And um, it certainly is, is a reflection of, of where that person is at in their own experience. But, um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. And one that you can't prepare yourself for, because even though people say, oh, well, you signed up to be on TV and that's what, that's what comes along with the territory. It's like the experience of being on TV is um, entirely abstract until you've had it. And then it's, um, and then it's this whole thing and you just can't know what that experience is um, until you've been in it and nobody can prepare you for it. And especially when, um, you are putting something out there that's so personal and so raw and so vulnerable. Um, it is difficult to, I mean, and I'm a super curious person. So I wanted to read all the, the, you know, the good and the bad that people had to say. And, um, and eventually I just had to stop because I just got too, too overwhelmed. Yeah. You know, when I was, that when Megan mentioned that there were people saying that the the women of season three had like the easiest locations, it's like, man, how do you not just like, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand people, Callie. I just don't. Um, but I wanted to point I this know, out too. Difference. So Biko trolls are great. Um, you know, not all trolls are a bad. Oh thing. yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll let him, we'll let Biko set the record straight on that here in a couple of weeks, hopefully. But yes. we're going to, I want to kind of backtrack. Um, we're going to go, we're going to rewind here like, like 10 minutes. Um, you had mentioned is you were talking about um, that experience of, uh, right before you were talking about that experience of remembering that moment in, in Hawaii with your grandmother and, and writing in your journal, which by the way, I mean, writing in your journal, um, that's a, a fantastic thing to do. So it's not like you were, you know, messing around on your phone on Facebook or something, but you had mentioned, um, that there were, you know, other challenges that kind of came from your experience on the show. Is that something that you, that you can kind of expand on a little bit? Yeah. I mean, certainly the most challenging piece of the experience for me was the, uh, the integration back in, um, Megan mentioned it, but, uh, we didn't have any refeeding program at all. They, they, a lot because of our season, um, and kind of what a, of a shit show it was the, us coming back. Um, they have, I mean, it's, it's night and day and I really am, I'm grateful to production for changing it, but, um, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't mitigate what we went through, which was really traumatic um, in terms of having just absolutely no support when we, when we came out of the field in terms of, of food. Um, they did eventually like fly a psychologist down um, to be with us um, because I had like a full panic attack um, that was really brought on by lack of sleep and like too much sugar and, and, but I mean, when we came out, they took like the day I came out, I mean, this is, you know, two and a half months of, of being in the wilderness alone. Um, I lost, you know, almost 30 pounds off a, you know, an, a not very large frame and, um, and probably taking in 500 calories a day, you know, took me straight to a grocery store, told me to get anything I wanted. Oh, no. Um, and then dropped me off alone in a, a, this large kind of like, we were just in the middle of nowhere. So it was just, but it was on this billionaire's property. So there's this old, like it, it literally was like the shining house. It was this ginormous kind of, I don't even know how to describe it. It had this large center room with these wings that had like ro rooms in it. So they dropped me off by myself with all this food and just left. And, um, and, you know, and they, they came back the next day to check on us. And, and then I ended up, um, that next day. So the day after, you know, I just gorged to the point of throwing up and I mean, there's no control and over what you're eating at all. It doesn't matter if you have, you know, and I felt like I went in with, you know, knowledge of, oh yes. And, uh, this is what you'd want to eat when you come back. And that's out the window, you know, you just, the survival brain is on and you're gorging yourself. And, and then the next day I was in a minor car accident with one of the, um, production assistant who was driving. It was just, the whole thing was 
just a disaster. Um, and I was very, very upset because I left on this totally high note. I was felt like I was on top of the world and I had completed something, this like huge journey. And then I came back and I felt like all of it, all the doors of awareness, all the everything just like shut down, like a vault door just slammed shut. And I was thrown into this just very difficult integration period. And, and, um, and it was kind of awful, (laughs) but ultimately, you know, um, that, uh, was a part of the experience as well and has helped, um, um, you know, it, production was really great about listening to, to feedback. And of course, nothing that they did was intentional. It was just really came out of a lack of kind of, you know, common sense about what somebody would need in that experience. And, um, our season went on, um, you know, longer than previous seasons. And, um, so, uh, it just was, you know, so since then they, they changed it and made, and, and really made it a lot better of a integration experience for people and and of course just going through any hard experience um has has strengthened my resilience and and um I've been able to to learn from that as well and so I don't have any I I I did but I I don't have any hard feelings now (laughs) and I really um I really you know I just see it as a part of the as a part of the journey too yeah I mean if you think about it too like as I've you know, cause there's a lot of this stuff that for me, like I, I obviously love the show, but you don't just, you don't think about it. It's like, you know, it's, it's, there hasn't really been something where we've willingly said, hi, we're going to, you know, put people through this experience for however long they can last. I mean, you know, it's the type of stuff that people typically are doing, um, forced and things you read about in books from a long time ago. Right. And so it is kind of interesting to think that, um, you know, I mean, we just, in a lot of ways, just didn't know, didn't even think to, to think about certain things because, I mean, it was kind of paving, paving a, a way in, in some sense, it seems like, um, with how extreme the experience really ends up being, you know, mentally and emotionally and physically. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, it's, it's an evolving, it's an evolving show and it's really authentic. Um, the experience, there's no you know, there's no doubt about that. And, and it was, it's a totally brand new, it's a brand new thing, um, for, you know, reality television to go that far in terms of it's, it's authenticity. Yeah, it's of, kind of, kind of you scary. You really are just kind of <laughs> dropped out there and, and, um, and it really, I mean, it's, yeah. I remember one of our producers, um, before we went out saying something about like, well, even then to that point where it was so much less extreme than it's gotten now, um, you know, making some comment around, uh, not, I can't even remember. I'm going to say it wrong and it's going to frame them in the, uh, something around that he was surprised nobody had died yet. Um, and not that they, I mean, they're obviously taking as much steps as they can to make sure that doesn't happen. Cause that would obviously not be, that would be the end of it. But, um, and just, a disaster but um but it is one of those experiences where you very likely could you know i mean it's like with this newest season with the grizzly bears it's like and that's what we sign up for and that's actually a really pretty amazing piece of it is i wouldn't want to go on any other experience than that i wouldn't want camera crews around and production hiding in the bushes i i want and i think all of us who go on there want a genuine authentic experience of what is it like to get dropped in the middle of nowhere and have to survive off the land, um, with just, you know, the tools in your bag. And, um, and you know, they gave us that. So ultimately just nothing but gratitude, nothing but gratitude for, for them and that experience, no matter what, what, um, you know, hiccups I, I had coming back and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, well, we're kind of, you know, we've, I've taken quite a bit of your time and, and you've shared some awesome experiences. And so I kind of want to start to transition and, and get you back to your family, but you, um, have obviously the, your plant healing and plant medicine took a, a huge role in the show. 
Um, it is something you've mentioned a few different times tonight so far, and obviously you're you're you know building a business and and a livelihood around that. Um, can you talk about your your plant medicine and and how you've learned and and what it means to you and where it comes from and just kind of give us the whole rundown? Yeah. Um, so I mentioned a little bit, you know, just having it integrated in the home growing up. Um, I live in a place where it, it's really integrated into the the community in a lot of ways. Um, and for, you know, most uh, land-based communities or, or places, it's, it, it tends to, um, you know, which is often rural areas, it tends to be a part of the, the, the daily life, um, whether or not people are even conscious of it. Um, but so I had, you know, that, that in the household. And, and then when I moved back to the land, when I was, when I was 21, um, I started getting more interested in it. And after I started growing food, I kind of started transitioning into growing and gathering herbs and, and, um, started, started crafting medicines and started working with some teachers and, and, um, and then it was when I, um, applied to be on the show, I was in the process of opening up a business, a shop, and, um, it all kind of came out of the same, the same time. It was like a fall. I was working at a farm in California and, and in that process, I really dream seeded, um, my business and also, uh, learned about um, learned about the show and, um, through, a, through a friend was friends with Lucas from season one. And, and that's how I, I met Lucas. And, and then, um, I ended up sending an email to the show and, and then forgot about it and, and then opened, was opening up my business. And, um, and I basically was moving and my business is a herbal apothecary storefront shop and, um, on the Island where I live. So selling herbal medicines and, and, um, and kind of all sorts of witchy things. And, um, and so I, I was in the process of opening up that business when I got the call from the show and, and it was basically, uh, I, a friend of mine moved to the Island to run the business for me. And I opened the doors of the shop and 12 days later left to go on the show. And, um, which is pretty funny for my community because I couldn't tell them. But it was, you know, it wasn't out of character to to do something like that. Um, and we just told them I was on an adventure. So my friend really helped kind of doula the shop into uh, existence. And um, that first summer while I was gone, because um, it was winter in, in South America. And, um, and then after having the experience of the the healing of the spider bites out there. And I knew I, I, you know, I knew very clearly if I could work with the plant medicine and see it through, um, you know, it's not, um, there's time and place for plant medicine. It's, you know, and, and, um, and I knew that, um, if it, if it was the, the time and place for it to, to be, to be successful, that it would have a huge impact, um, on viewers on uh, certainly, um, a certain subsect of viewers and and it did. Um, and it was such a gift because for people to, to see it firsthand, to witness how plant medicine can be, you know, incredibly effective. And it's, it's, you know, it's a part of all our ancestry, all our history, you know, it's, that's the root of, of every system of medicine is, is land-based medicine. And, um, and, you know, Western medicine is no different. Uh, we've just moved into more of a synthetic form of it, but, it's, you know, it's a part of all our stories. It's everybody's birthright to, to practice, uh, herbalism. And, um, and so that experience, um, not only helped me deepen in my own understanding and, and, and knowledge, but it helped, um, inspire others. And then from that, I was able to continue on with my business and education and and where I'm at now with my, of, you know, and of, you know, being on a, a progression of, of education and, and, um, self-education and working with different teachers and, and having my business and working with people around, um, health. I, I've been able to really expand my, my business into something, um, 
you know, that's, that's taken its own, its own, um, shape. And, and one of the things that I do, I, I took on a business partner, um, in 2020, which a very good friend and amazing herbalist Mila. And she, she and I work together in the shop and we run a herbal CSA, um, which is kind of our, one of our biggest focuses. It's like a four time a year subscription box of herbal medicines that are based around the seasons. So I've really shifted focus to working with seasonal medicine. And so, um, we we're in the fourth year of doing that. And it's just such a, it's like a dream job for me because I get to just be outside with the seasons and, um, craft medicine based, um, based on what that season represents. And, and we write a, a little zine booklet that talks about the medicines and, and different tips and advice for deepening in with that season and how to use the medicines and, um, you know, wanting it to be an educational tool. So, um, that's like a big focus of the business now, as well as having the shop and, um, and then Randy and I also opened up a little forest school, um, that we've been doing teaching with as well, private courses and kids programs and, um, which was slowed a little bit by COVID, but, um, but so that's another outlet that I've gotten into with the plant medicine is moving into more teaching as well. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of the, the long and short. Where, um, where can people find, I mean, do you have websites for your, your storefront for your boxes and for your school? Yeah. So, um, we just opened up our, and we only have, uh, we just do a limited number of the boxes and we just have, I think, um, maybe 30 subscriptions left. We just opened up last month, our, um, our subscriptions for 2022. Um, so we, so we just have, yeah, as of today, just 30 boxes left for the, for, or 30 subscriptions left. Um, so if anybody's interested, those, um, it's a really great investment in, in your health and education around plant medicine. Um, thankfully and, for me, I'm getting this news two weeks before everyone else does. So that, that's <laughs> lucky for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there might, there might still be a few left. Um, we're going to do our, the one thing we, we very much, um, don't like doing is any sort of advertising. Um, we don't like to, to spam people in any way, but I will plug it here. Um, so if we don't do any big promotion before then, there might still be some left, but, um, our apothecary is called North Sea Apothecary. Um, so we're on Instagram at North Sea Apothecary or NorthSeaApothecary.com. And, um, and Mila and I both work with, she's Finnish Palestinian. Um, and we both, uh, she moved here from Finland, um, 12 years ago or so. And, so we both work a lot with ancestral medicine. So she does a lot of um, Northern European, Palestinian medicine. And I do a lot of my ancestral, um, you know, uh, Western Isles type medicine. So we try to have a focus more on our, our ancestral medicines. And so, um, and encourage people to explore their, their ancestry through, you know, whether it's skills, um, or, you know, medicine, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so northseapothecary.com. And then I'm on Instagram too that I use um, on and off. Um, and that's at Cali Blue Heron. So those are kind of the main. And then our, our teaching is the forest folks. So that's the forestfolks.com. Cool. And, and the, the teaching, are you focused more on school-age children? Do you do adult stuff? I mean, what, what all are you doing there? We started the we started the forest folks in late 2019 and then we're running classes with the community. So classes Randy and I were teaching. Randy's been a, um, a skills, a wilderness skills instructor at the Boulder outdoor survival school in Utah for 12 years. Um, and so when he moved up here, he really wanted to have an outlet for teaching. He's a really amazing teacher. Um, and I, you know, have been getting into teaching. So we were doing a lot of just kind of, course skills courses um and then working with other community members to teach but then we totally stopped during covid and then um the following winter we started up again doing a kids program 
which is really amazing because kids were learning on Zoom at that time. And so it was just this beautiful reprieve for them to be able to be outside. And, um, and then um, since then, we were kind of just starting to dip our toes back in. So we've done some private courses and, and just trying to figure out how we can navigate that safely. And um, so uh, we're, you know, once we kind of get into a more of a groove with the baby and figuring out how we can do that, we want to do some more, um, some probably start out with some private courses again. Um, so um, yeah. And then, and then hopefully get back into some group group teaching again as well. Cool. Well, I will, I'll make sure that I link all of those in the show notes and, and we'll get that in, in all of our social media stuff for the, the people that do see that. Um, I'm just noticing that I should probably start paying attention to when you do something major in your life. Cause let's see, you started your, your storefront and then a couple of weeks later you're gone for a long time doing the alone experience. And then you and Randy started your, your school. And then a couple months later, <laughs> the whole world shuts down. And so your, your timing is impeccable. <laughs> and so I'm going to start using you as my yes. barometer on, on big things happening. So then the next time you release big something things happening new, in my life, at least well, well COVID, I guess it's big for everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll just say you're, you're a, you're a barometer of some sort. So I'm going to start taking note of that. Um, <laughs> but Callie, this has been such a pleasure. Um, thank you so much for your time and, and thank you for sharing your experiences and, and your outlook and your viewpoint on life and just everything that, that you've experienced. Um, so before we wrap up, do you have, I guess, anything that you want to set the record straight on that we've talked about tonight? Or is there anything that, um, any just last words you want to put out there before we wrap up? Um, no, I, I don't think so. I think, um, yeah, no, I've just really appreciated uh, chatting with you. And um, yeah, I just want to encourage everybody to get outside and connect with the land and themselves and apply for the alone show if, you, if you're up for it. I can say that, um, you know, for me, I, I, I was not, um, you know, a Jordan Jonas or a, a Callie Russell um, but I, you know, in terms of skill sets, um, so you don't have to be as, you know, um, that, that learned to go out there and have an experience. A lot of it is around just, um, you know, creativity, ingenuity, and being able to, to apply those skills. And not to say that Callie, um, Callie Russell and Jordan, um, you know, their skill set, uh, help them get as far as they did and they're amazing people but um but i more my point is it's accessible to all sorts of people so i want to encourage people to to apply for the show if they are drawn to it and you never know what can happen yeah that's that's great and you know i'm just going to say you're a great human being because i would have said just want to encourage all the people out there that uh, think they know everything to apply for the show. <laughs> so you're a you're a great person, Callie. You are <laughs> you're a you're a gem. You're delightful. So thank you again for your time and for your stories. And I'll let you get back to your sweet little family. Thanks so much, Sam. Really appreciate it. Thank you, and and bye. Bye.